0: Like let's say you're you're, I was faced with a problem of like I don't know modernizing the portfolio I was on. I was like Jesus, this thing. It was like back in the eighties days, all the products I had. I had to realize that it was just not on me. Like yes, I had that task, but I had also to realize that I need to rely on my fellow designers and employees and and staff. So. It's about building that network. It's about having another mentor you can talk to. Yo, what's up? This is the Shaping Design Podcast, where we help you become a better designer.
1: I'm your co-host, Mitchell Bernstein, and in today's episode, which is episode 10, we talk about imposter syndrome. Now, I'm sure you know what that is. If not, then stick around for the episode. You'll find out a lot more about that. But Pascal actually wrote an article about this on our Substack, which you should check out in the show notes. And... I thought it was great, I think you'll like it too. We decided that we wanted to talk more about it. So here we are. The beginning of the episode, we actually talk a little bit about some of our recent endeavors and how we're growing the podcast, how we're doing other things outside of the podcast. So stick around if you wanna listen to that. If not, then just fast forward to the imposter syndrome part. But without further ado, here we go. Yo, what's up? Yo, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing good. Uh you know so. what else is good? Uh
0: no. What?
1: Our podcast, our stats. Everything's going good. <laughs> everything's I going know. in the upward trajectory. I said the word right.
0: <laughs> we're we're climbing. It's a steady mm-hmm. and slow pace. But not slow. But I said we're uh, efficient, consistent pace. And the thing that I'm starting to notice that is I have people reaching out once they've kind of read either like the post or the, mm-hmm. like the, the podcast or whatnot. And they reach out and they say, you know what, this was really insightful. I really enjoyed it. Keep pushing it, keep doing mm-hmm. it. So at the end of the day, that's what it's about. But it's also like the first thing is just us having fun about it. Like that's the primary mm-hmm. goal with all this. Yeah. I,
1: I think that, you know, we have, we have like, so many goals with this The primary being that we're actually yeah. enjoying doing it and i think that it's really fun especially uh that you know when we're interviewing people mm-hmm. uh depending on when they're airing um i don't want to say when when wh- who and when we we cuz i don't want we're. to like hold accountable to like the timing but uh i think that it's great that we're also also being able to l- learn a little bit more uh from every single guest and then mm-hmm. the- we can apply those kind of lessons and then those who are listening can also apply those lessons so it's not just having fun, but we're actually learning too, and building this kind of business together, which is great. So
0: and and I think the fact that the guests that are coming on and sharing their knowledge and their point of view is gonna tremendously help other people mm-hmm. in the field in my point of view because they're explaining their procedures, their motion, how they went through things and like their journey and career. So yep. I think it's gonna be valuable to understand other people that are have been successful in that field and how they've been going about it. Yeah, I think,
1: though, and I'm going to transition a little bit, uh, I, w- I want to quickly talk about kind of like a little bit about the stats, not detailed detail, yeah, 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 but yeah, a little bit right. of stats because I don't want to bore cool. anyone. Uh, I just think that it's important to know that um, your articles freaking pop. Like, the highest ratings that we get are when you post articles, not even the podcast. And I think that that might flip when we have... High, like, more, like, known guests. But as of now, the the episodes that get released don't even, like, reach uh, what you do for uh, articles. So kudos to you. Like, clap, claps for Pascal, everyone.
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> They're I awesome. Think it, no, it, it, it's good to, to hear. And hopefully we can mm-hmm. get the same thing going with the podcast. Yeah. I try to just approach things by sharing my point of view and my experience into the mix. So... yeah. If it helps and it resonates with people, awesome. That Like that's literally my goal. Yeah, I think that
1: that's, that's why it's so important to look at these stats because then we can know we know what people are attracted to and we can yeah. investigate more of that and help give that to people. So I think it's really important that we kind of measure uh, the different articles and like which did the best because we want to know what people want to hear more of and read more about and listen to more about. So uh, those who are looking on YouTube see me looking over to, to the ether over here next to my computer try to look at all the, all the notes and all the, like, the stats. But uh, I think that that was great. So like, great job on that. I do want to pivot a little bit towards issues. Uh, we have some issues. <laughs> uh, we have some issues so far that we, I think are easy to solve. Um think you know, scheduling issues. I need yeah. to get better at scheduling things and holding you more accountable to, to, to those schedules, but also holding myself more accountable to like, showing up uh, and like, making sure that, they're, that everyone's on board at the right times. I think we need to come up with a better process for
0: that. Life happens, though. We Life happens.
1: At. Life happens, but I think that we can get better at that. <laughs> <laughs> and then this other one I'm going to own completely. Uh, the YouTube was, like, not growing at all. Yeah. And I was like, why? And it's really funny. I, I text my massage therapist and we just shoot the shit. And he's, like, into audio and stuff. And so, he, he you know, he, he sometimes listens to the pod. So, shout out. But What's funny about it is uh, he messaged me when I was at gym yesterday. He's like, hey, was, like looking at your YouTube channel, awesome. Thumbnails are great. Titles are great. Awesome. I can't click anything. Nothing playing. I'm like, why? He's like, because it's set for kids. And I'm like, oh. what? And so when you go into YouTube. That's a big and, no-no. And you go to like the actual like episode. You go to upload an episode. There's yeah. an option. That says basically, hey, uh, who is this? Uh, who is this made for? Is it, yes, it's made for kids. No, it's not made for kids. I thought if you select yes, it's made for kids, anyone can watch it. There's no restriction. Turns out, I think what it does is it actually sends it to the YouTube Kids app only, oh, and then the uh, the regular app doesn't even get access to
0: it. So you basically shadow banned yourself.
1: I shadow banned us. <laughs> That's fantastic.
0: Lesson learned, folks. Read between the lines.
1: So I said it to. You know, n- not made for kids. So, kids, Don't sorry. Know. You have to be older to listen to our pod. You know, obviously, we also curse a little aye. bit. So, so that was, that. That's a funny little little own self own there. And then, uh, the last thing to talk about before we get into the main topic of today, yep, would be uh, Framer. And yeah. I wanted to talk really quickly before we dive into dive into our main topic because I think it's really funny that I started tweeting a little bit about Framer. Twitter followers started following me like crazy. And then there was an issue with like the follow, we couldn't follow somebody for like a couple, like a day or so. I know. And people were DM- DMing me like, hey dude, like I'm trying to follow you. Like I just want to let you know I'm trying to follow you because I want to learn more from- about you, from about Framer from you, whatever. Mm. I was like, what? Like this has never happened before. Um, but we got some traction on this Framer thing. And I think we're going to run with it a little bit because I think it's yep. a great opportunity to help people and also integrate a lot of our uh, courses that we want to build. For people who are also building the framework, there's a lot of overlap, yep. like the portfolio and then landing pages and stuff. So I think we have an opportunity here to kind of share our knowledge specifically with those, those kinds of folks. Uh, and so we built a community. And if you are listening to the pod or looking at me on YouTube, uh, definitely check out in the show description, in the show notes, uh, we have a link to our new framework community, which is part of the Primitives brand now. But it's, it's going to be a free community uh, at least for the foreseeable future, I don't think it's going to ever become a paid one. Maybe we'll have a separate paid one, but I really want to grow this free community for everyone uh, to have a spot to learn and 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 share uh, framer knowledge, and then you know be amongst other like-minded framer geniuses. Yeah. So you know, check out that in the show notes.
0: And I think it's it's it goes really well. What what we're trying to do is designers helping designers out, mm-hmm. right? Because I think that's the goal behind all of the things that we're doing. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, we're going to give away a a bunch of stuff that we're making out a framework we're going to, and we're using our own selves as Mm -hmm. this educational piece because we're learning it and we're making, we're getting better at it, but we're learning it. We want to share with like-minded people.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think it's funny because also a lot of people are in the the community who want to teach others. So there's so many people that are going to be launching a bunch of their own courses, their own lessons in there. So stay tuned to paying attention to all of them. And we just, we just want to help promote everyone uh, and get their their business off the ground, but to also uh, help get their knowledge out there for everyone else to learn and for us to learn, for, for oh, us to And teach. if it's
0: done through the community, then kudos. I mean, yeah. we've helped launch somebody. I mean, that, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. that's, that's what it's all about. Exactly.
1: So that's it for, for the roundup on, on, on kind of like a, a building in public. And then let's transition to imposter syndrome, which is the main topic of today. And I want yeah. you to take it away.
0: Yeah. Uh the main reason I, I wrote this, and I, I wrote a very small piece on that on LinkedIn like a year or so ago. And it was to talk about my own imposter syndrome. I think that's something for me that I realize over time is normal. Every time you step up, you should feel imposter syndrome. At one point, like in my point of view, it's something that comes with the territory. It means you're going and you're challenging yourself. You're about to learn something new and you're about to grow. That's what imposter syndrome is about. It's not just about failure. It, it just means you're about to go through something new, which feels uncomfortable. And I've gone through it so many times. Even today, I oftentimes feels like I, I'm an imposter. Like There's people way better than me. I don't know what I'm talking about. But then when you realize and you look at the past here and your achievements, you're like, Oh, wait, no, I'm good at what I'm doing. Like, I've, I've achieved some stuff. I can talk about the stuff that I've achieved. So, you know, it, it, I've gone through it so many times. Every time I leveled up or I changed career paths or, you know, I changed companies, I've always gone through parts of imposter syndrome, some significantly big and others not. Uh-huh. I remember yeah. a time where I was transitioning at IBM and I had like, I was working only like on one product. And then all of a sudden I got the task to work across the entire portfolio. And I was like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Like the people that have been here way longer than I have, I don't know what I'm doing. And I always got home and had so many doubts. And I was like, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Talking to my wife and my wife, who's a psychologist, is always saying, no, they put you there because they know you have what it takes to do the task at hand. So kudos to all the managers that I've had that had you know confidence in me or like the VPs that put me there because they saw things in me that I may not have seen at that point in time. So they gave, they, they gave me those roles and opportunities. And the first months, I was like, I was finding it hard, right? But I, I kept pushing through it and I learned that now I've gained these new skills. So yeah, it, it's not easy but at the same time it's going through the the mud i should say like once you get to the outside you grow and you gain so much skills and so many new things that i recommend imposter syndrome to a lot of people and if like you haven't read the article go and read it i think i give you know pieces of advice in there on, on why it's actually a superpower and i think i could write another article to go even deeper on this topic but i know it's something that many of us face regardless of who you dream is like the best in the world they also have it like i think it's something that we all do and have and i think it's just human behavior
1: i think i face i think probably the opposite problem where i come in very confidently and i'm like because i don't know the full issue and i think of it as like ignorance is bliss Mm -hmm. and so i'm like yeah I can take it on, whatever, and then I don't realize how big it is or how challenging it is until I get into the weeds of it, and I'm like, oh my gosh, now things are real, and now I start to see why people are not really trying to do this, or people are trying to stay away from this, or people are afraid of it, so I think for me, I, I have the opposite challenge, or at least it's, it's like a different mindset, um, not necessarily that I, I Actually, can you first Can you define what imposter syndrome is, for those who are listening?
0: Yeah, and this is like my point of view on this. But if, to me, it's like imposter syndrome is the internal psychological experience of feeling like, a, would say, like a phony in some area of your life. It could be design, et cetera. Despite any success that you have achieved in that area, if you find yourself constantly ex- uh, experiencing like self-doubt, even in areas where you typically excel, that's usually where it comes. You're going to start to feel... Uh, relentless, nervous, uh I mean, you know, you're gonna start to talk yourself negatively, and so on. you're saying like you can't do this, it's things like that. Those are usually things that I consider being imposter syndrome, being like you're there, but you don't feel you have the skills and behavior to do so, so you feel like an imposter in that field say like if every time you get like uh you're hired at a different company, but it's way higher up in your pay grade you can feel imposter syndrome for a while because you're like, I don't know if I can do it. It's it. Those are like my point of views on what I would consider like a very s- small definition of imposter syndrome.
1: We, just out of curiosity, how many designers do you think face this out of all the designers in the world? <laughs> do you think it's like a majority of designers? Think, like it's like I a designer thing.
0: I think everybody does, but it's not just designer. I think it's just the human behavior when they, I think everybody faces imposter syndrome. Like even my wife, who's like, like a keynote speaker and like, or a TED talk speaker, I should say, and like her feel, she still feels it. I think it's the fact that we're put somewhere and you feel it. I think it confidence comes with it. And like, you start to learn that imposter syndrome is just your brain telling you that, you know, self doubt and whatnot, confidence is going to come into play as well. But I, from a, in a designer perspective, I think everybody faces it regardless of who we look up to. And I think it's just normal.
1: Are there tactics or strategies that you laid out in the article maybe you want to talk about that help you overcome it?
0: Let me, f- let me flip that question back yeah. to you. Okay. right? Because you've read it. What stood out as y- to you that you potentially didn't know? Like the thing, and I know we, we talk about all this often and, you know, you, you read the article way before, like everybody else, but is there anything in there that kind of stood out to you?
1: I, I think honest, honestly, the, the thing that stood out to me the, the most was the fact that you faced imposter syndrome, because I didn't take it that you did, especially through all of our chats, yeah. seeming that you kind of, you, I know, you know, the answer to so many problems that we face together and like the solutions were like right there in front of us and you already were starting the solution when you were telling me. So to me, the biggest thing that stuck out was that you even faced the imposter syndrome at this point in your career. Um, that honestly shocked me a little bit. Not that it's like a bad or good thing. I just didn't take it because the way that you spoke so eloquently about some of the uh, problems that we needed to solve and how to like go about them. You know, when we were leading different groups at IBM for des- design patterns, You know, we didn't all have the answer, but you were very confident in leading some of the discussions and saying, like, look, like, you know, we have to get to this point. Let's figure out a solution. Here's a proposal. And, you know, a lot of people kind of froze up, including myself. And, you know, I think that we were all like, wow, okay." so he like obviously knows the answer to this. Let's just go with that. Um, And then, you know, working at other companies, too, with you, uh, it, it seemed like to me you already had like 10 steps ahead. So to me, that that's what would serve the most.
0: Honestly. <laughs> oh, great. Oh, thanks. First of all, thanks. <laughs> but I think I think it goes back to one of the things I said is putting yourself out there and the biggest thing lesson out there is like learn from your failures. Just do it. I mean, that's, that's the big thing is yeah. separating your past self to your new self. Where You've acquired tools to face things. You may not know the definite answer, but you have skills and knowledge that you're able to put together to go and solve the problem at hand. And it's not about doing it all yourself. You got a team to rely on, get them to push further. And it, it's about the collectiveness of all this. And I don't think nobody has the answer to everything in life, but the the more you do it, the more you have the confidence that you have enough skills to go and face any problem that you're going to be facing. And I think that that's a major thing in all this.
1: I think maybe to to bring it back to like the, the maybe originally what you asked me about like flipping it around, like what, which one of the solutions yeah. or like tactics, I'd say probably the the, like building the support network. I didn't really think about that one as like a thing that would be necessary that could actually help push you over that, that hurdle. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that specific one—the building the, the support system?
0: I think it, and I'll, I'll talk to my own point of view on this from like an, a point of view and an experience. When you, when I got the chance at IBM to be a lead or like a, a design principal, uh, Fahad, who was my director at that point and like one of my favorite mentors still to this day, told me, it's. Like, it's not about you doing it, but it's about leveraging the people you work with to get it done. It's about getting like the, so it's not about just using yourself. Like, let's say you're, you're... I was faced with a problem of like, I don't know, modernizing the portfolio I was on. I was like, geez, this thing. It was like back in the 80s days, all the products I had, I had to realize that it was just not on me. Like, yes, I had that task, but I had also to realize that I need to rely on my fellow designers and employees and, and staff. So it's about building that network. It's about having another mentor you can talk to, like Fahad, as an example that I had, or Arn, what like all the mentors I have. It's about leveraging them to get answers, to get help, to, to boost your confidence in some way. And it's not about, and I'll go back to mentor. Mentor doesn't mean it has to be above. You can have mentors that are even below you or peer-to-peer, but it's about leveraging them and and talking about it. Like if you're nervous about something, go to talk to somebody about it. That's your network. If you know you have a task and you you know, you, you need to enhance motion in your product, you're not the best at it. Go find that person, have the conversation, help him help you. And I think it's it's that's all part about understanding that syndrome and that problem. It's not just all on you, it's about you leveraging the skills to go and expand that network to be able to build a team around you to, to grow that part.
1: Something that I do to, I guess, when I don't have a support system is like pep talk myself. And sometimes I say it thinking it's in my head, but it comes out of my mouth. <laughs> and I, you know, one of our uh, guests that'll, that'll, I don't know if the episode will be released before this or after this, he mentioned uh, the president uh, of the company he worked at, we both worked at, yep. and uh, you know, one of the situations that we were in, we were in one of the old offices, and the head of product, head of design, and president were looking at the computer screen, looking at some of the stats, and like, people weren't using the product correctly, they couldn't find a certain feature. Like You can take a photo of something, but yeah. then you also could like, write like, a note about it, and they could either do one or the other, but they didn't realize they can do both. And so they were like, why is anyone doing this? And, like they're, and then they were using the product differently, adding a comment to a different part of the product or something. And I was sitting to myself looking at the other screen, like, wasn't even looking at it. And I was just like, why not? And then they're kind of like talking to themselves. to so like, why can't we like figure this out? Like, there has to be a way we can do this, right? And then they're going back and forth, like, like, I don't know how we can solve this problem. I don't know how to like design for this. And I was sitting to myself looking at the screen, like, why not? And they turned around, they're like, what do you mean, why not? Like, what What do you mean, why not? I'm like, why not solve it? And they were like, okay, what do you mean? And I just kind of used that as my model. It's like, oh, can't we do this? Why not? You know? And it's not like I knew the answer, but I don't think that we're limited by the constraints of today. It's something that I, I I'm very, like, fond of Steve Jobs saying, which is, he has a quote of like, everything around you is built by somebody no better than yourself. Yeah, 100%. Right? And that like stuck with me for so long. It's like along those lines of quote. And it, it makes so much sense to me because like everything around you, if you are in a room, there's not a single thing that isn't designed by somebody else. Like think about that. Like somebody had to come up with the, like the paint for the wall, the screws for the desk, the, you know, the machinery that built the camera, uh, every single thing around you if you're not sitting in, a, in like a forest then you know you're surrounded by design you're surrounded by thinking and that and to I me think, is amazing and
0: that's like so on point because that can cause imposter syndrome and you'll never And as a point is like let's say you're in a small town and you think you can never get out of, that, of like that town that thinking alone is stopping you from moving up 'Cause if you think about it, you're in a small town working for a small agency and you're thinking, I'll never work at Google. I'll never work at those. But those aren't like they're just other designers. They're not necessarily better than you are. You could be way better than them. Well, not in a sense. <laughs> but Thank you. <laughs> it's just it's just it's the just... fact that they're they got the opportunity to work there. But yeah. and then once you start to realize that and if you work there, you're you're going to realize you were just as smart as them because it's just somebody else designing something. And like you pointed out, everybody designs something and it's just somebody, the equivalent of you designing, just he's not working at the same company.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: But I think it like having that mindset causes that triggering yourself because it causes like that self-doubt. It causes that you look up to these companies because they're all companies we, we use and work. But once you have the opportunity to work for these big companies or like the, the big tech companies, you realize that everybody's the same. It's just they're like these big companies are just packed with more talented people because they have the money to pay all these people. But at the end of the day, it's just the same. You're just p- solving problems. And it goes back to the past conversation we had with one of the guests where don't get attached to the problem, uh, the, uh, the pixels, stay attached to the problem. And when you take that away, that that was something that kind of took a lot of the imposter syndrome away. Is that they're not judging my pixel work right now. They're just judging the problem I'm trying to solve. Is it achieving the goal we're trying to design for? So I think it's a lot of it, it plays in your head and all this.
1: Yeah. And I think one of the best lessons I learned from uh working at IBM and had the opportunity to work on is, you know, like when you when IBM has like those think conferences. Yeah. Yeah. Those conferences are kind of like the equivalent of Apple's keynote conferences yep. or like WWDC or whatever. Uh, and they're pretty big for IBM and they're pretty big for other, you know, customers and stuff. But what's similar to them, uh, Apple's and IBM's and Google's and whatever, it's funny because a lot of the stuff that gets put out there is either like de- like they deprecated right after it's put out there or it's like 70% the truth and like 30% like, you know, it's like all like smoke and mirrors. That's uh, just like a presentation thing. It's, you know, the numbers are tweaked a little bit, or like the accuracy is really high or something, or, you know, the animation's really slick. And it's like, how is it that smooth? How can it do it that way? And it's kind of funny because like the same tactics that Apple used, we used in, you know, in our, in our presentations and helping, you know, create these things. And so the customers that are really smart, they kind of look at these things and like, like mm, that's like, probably okay but like we know it's not going to be 100% exactly like that and that's okay because like the product has to evolve too but it made me realize that you know we were doing the same things apple google microsoft presentations were doing and ours looked just as good like it wasn't even like we were like you know all because we're junior or like not and I senior as the other designers at those companies you know we had the same opportunity to create something really special really slick that would get people's attention. It's really good for like a portfolio. It's really good for like, you know, you know, a resume, whatever you call it. But it made me realize like, oh, no, we can be on that level if we just try hard enough and really think about it. And, you know, if, if you have the correct guidance, you know, we had, you know, obviously uh, Ruben Fernandez and Andrew Smith kind of guiding a lot of those think presentations, the visual side of it, right? Uh, and, you know, I helped with the user experience of that stuff and kind of helped prepare some of that stuff with them. It's so cool to see behind the curtain. And then once you see behind the curtain, you can't really look back. It helps you with your perspective on like, okay, so like Apple created this really cool animation for their keynote. And, you know, like the example that I would use is Steve Jobs is again, uh, Steve Jobs used the, the golden path for the iPhone presentation. For those who don't know, he had a specific way of clicking the apps that wouldn't crash the phone on the stage because if he chose like, you know, the notes app before the maps app, then the, the whole thing would crash. So, uh, you know, it was like held together with like duct tape and string. And that's amazing to me because it may, it, he made it look so smooth, but it really was like a terrible device at the time of the presentation. And then they figured out how to fix those things later on. And then they launched it. But, you know, we were using the same tactics. And I think that that's a really special experience that I can carry with me that I can remember and say, okay, I, I did this. This helped me. So like, this is a tactic I would use maybe for those um, who are also facing imposter syndrome. Like, like, go back to a place when you were confident in something you overcame that you achieved. And then use that positivity to kind of carry you through the next thing.
0: Yeah, no, it, it's a great point. And I think everybody needs to remember, everybody faces imposter syndrome at one point. It doesn't matter who, it doesn't matter. Like, even if you're a TED Talk speaker, they face it too honestly it doesn't matter at one point everybody does and i think it should be normal to face it because if you don't no longer face it it means you're also not putting yourself into uncomfortable situations Mm -hmm. which means you're stopping your own self from growing as well so i think think of it in that way too if you're at a point where it's like you know it all and you don't you're not learning well put yourself into that uncomfortable situation to face imposter syndrome again to go and learn and add new skills to the tool toolkit. I think that's something that everybody should continuously do, and it should be expected from people.
1: Awesome. This is an awesome episode.
0: Thanks, man. And I think it's, it's an important topic, so I, I'm glad we covered it.
1: Great. Yeah, cool. I think we'll end this one here. All right, everyone. Thanks. Cheers.